You're listening to the Inner Process Podcast with your hosts, Mike Bond and Jason Van Ruler. We're seasoned counselors and friends, and each episode we discuss topics that help us live all around healthier lives. Listen in as we share personal stories, research, and our experiences as therapists. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to this episode of the Inner Process Podcast. Today, Jason and I are talking about choices. And really beyond that, we're talking about commitment, I think, and really the combination of both. You know, I think in this life, many of us have, frankly, too much information. We have too many choices. There are too many possibilities. And rather than that being a good thing, which you might expect, it it, it ends up being a bad thing. It really causes more anxiety and sometimes even paralysis. We just don't know what to do, what decision to make. Or the commitment issue is that we get into something and then we see something else out of the corner of our eye and we run to that instead of finishing what we're starting. And so we're going to talk about the benefits of really staying with things and what it looks like to see something through having that commitment level, but also why it's good to limit our choices, even though it may not seem like that, it actually is beneficial to us as people. So listen in. We appreciate you guys, as always, for listening to us. Please leave us a review when you get a moment to do that and tell a friend. We really thank you. All right. So as always, we thank you guys for listening today. We are talking about burning the ships. And so you might be familiar with this if you know your history supposedly, I think this has been verified, Cortez, upon landing and encountering, I think it was the Aztecs, um, he, instead of basically giving his men an out to flee back, he said, listen, we're either going to take this place or we're going to die trying. And so to ensure that, we're going to burn the ships. And I would imagine that that was probably met with some resistance, but nonetheless, he <laughs> did do that. And of course, they probably for worse, maybe not better, but they did conquer the Aztec nation and on they went. So today we're talking about what it means to have too many choices. And is that really a good thing or a bad thing, right? And not only that, but kind of the burn the ships idea is that peace around commitment going all in for things, which I think too many choices prevents the commitment probably that we need for some things and then therefore impacts our happiness. Absolutely. Let me just say real quick, Mike, what I love about that story is I always wonder if there was just a guy who was really clumsy and accidentally burned the ships and and then then he's just now remembered as like this hero, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is a reframe. Classic reframe. Cortez, he's like, oh, shoot, I I spilled whatever and (laughs) We left those powder kegs on there, and uh, I I was smoking my pipe and dropped it. My bad. Listen, we're going to conquer these people. (laughs) We're effectively stuck, so uh, let's. how do we reframe this? I like how you're thinking about that. That seems probably more realistic as the possibility there. That would be, if they were my ships, more likely that I would do that than burn them intentionally. But you know what? You're a guy that can convert that to something positive. Like, okay, well, now we have to go and we're going to have to conquer these people because we don't have yeah. any outs. There's no way no way back. Unless you can swim. Unless you're a good swimmer, we're stuck. So a really good swimmer at that point. Yeah. So, all right. Speaking of choices and outs and things of that nature, I thought this would be interesting. Do you know, Jason, by chance, how many titles you can access on Netflix? Want to take a gander at this? Let's see. Off the top of my head... I have no idea. 10,000. Let's say 10,000. Pretty close. It's 15 at this point. And I'm sure that's always growing. Now they take things away and add things. But 
you know, the point is, I don't know if you've had this experience, but you sit down to watch something and we're old enough to say in the old days when, you know, you had to do the remote and there weren't many choices. And, you know, I think I've had the experience, my wife and I both, you sit down to watch something and there's too many choices. And that seems like a really good thing because, oh, great. I, if I don't like that, I can watch something else or whatever. But in my experience, and I don't know if this is everyone, it's not actually so great. It really isn't. No. Do you see this with your kids? This is something that I've definitely experienced, but it's been interesting to see with my kids where if we give them, you know, a half hour for TV time or something, they might spend 15 minutes looking for something. Yes. And not even get to watch TV for the whole time because there are just too many options. That's a great point. I do that too. Yeah. You're going around and you're going around and going around and clicking and you're clicking. And half of the time that I have to watch a little something here is gone. And so and then ironically, that changes what you can watch because you don't have as much time. And so I think that's a great point. It's not beneficial. Now, obviously, some choice, of course, is, is really good, I think. And we'll talk about that. But I thought I would read a quote related to choice and anxiety and things of that nature, which this was written about 30 years ago now by a guy named Oz Guinness. He wrote um, a book called The Call, amongst other things. Brilliant guy. This is the quote that was really interesting. He said, the increase in choice and change leads to a decrease in commitment and continuity to everyone and everything. Choice and change lead quickly to a sense of fragmentation, saturation, and overload. In the modern world, there are simply too many choices, too much to do, too much to see, too much to read. This leads to ever darker anxiety of seemingly infinite possibility. Isn't that so true? It's true. It's depressing, but it is true. It's, it's depressing, but it is true. I think there can be something freeing in this, though. And that's why we're talking about this for this episode, because I think to the degree that we can recognize, well, wait a minute, maybe having all these infinite possibilities as far as choices and information and these things that we kind of really now have in the modern world, maybe that's not so great. And then if it's not, what could I do differently with that and thereby increase my contentedness and happiness? Because I think he's right. I think too many choices actually increases our anxiety. And there's some research around that as well. Absolutely. And it's seemingly only getting worse, if you will, if that's the right word to use. There's a product for everything, a book for everything. Mm -hmm. There are so many options that we can get so caught up in that, that we really don't ever do anything. We're just kind of always contemplating. That's a great point. It's kind of stuck in the perpetual preparing to do something stage, taking in information, but the paralyzation that comes with, okay, well, but it's time to at some point to do it. And yet, wait a minute, there's this other idea out there about this. Maybe I should read that first. And then you just, you're caught in that hamster wheel. I think that's a very good point. Which I kind of, to be honest, I kind of like being in the hamster wheel a little bit. I mean, it's fun, but it can quickly lead to just hours and hours and then ultimately being really discontent with whatever you come up with. I know it's been said about some kind of big time entrepreneurs that the first thing they do in the morning is make the top three decisions for the day. Hmm. And the reason they do that is just so they're not exhausted and overwhelmed with options and choices. Hmm. Because by the end of the day, they feel like they've already made so many choices and had so many options to consider, they probably aren't at their best. And I, and I think that's actually probably really smart. I, I don't know. I mean, if I think of my first three choices, it's what kind of coffee will I get today? I, I don't know. They're probably not the most important, but it's probably a good idea. Yeah, I think that's one of those things. That if you can pull that off, that's actually a really good idea. Probably for most of us, our first three choices may not be so monumental. But you know what? We could possibly make a little change there. One of them could be 
It could be. Let's be honest, what coffee to drink and the preparation of coffee, now that's an important choice. I would say that takes one spot. That can still have one spot, just not more than one, probably. Yeah. As it currently stands. I do think that there is something absolutely to understanding that we're limited in terms of really our choice-making stamina and capability, right? We've talked about this in a different episode. We wear down as far as making choices is concerned as the day goes, which is why what you're talking about, I think is really true. And that is if you can figure out the most important choices that you need to make and do those early in that process, that's better. And I think maybe the hope today is to look at, well, what happens though, when we don't do that and how can we get to that place? Because what we're saying is that too many choices, it just really works against us. We see this show up all over the place. I mean, we, you and I have said a couple of personals, but I mean, it shows up when we talk to clients and other things as well, other people. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we were kind of talking a little bit, something that I hear quite often anymore is online dating. This has become a real issue because you have literally the whole world as an option, you mm-hmm. know? And so now we're all so connected that it doesn't just have to be a person a mile away or five miles away or something like that. It could, could be someone anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so if I say, hey, go find a partner and there's two million choices, that becomes really, really overwhelming. Yeah, And it also kind of translates, in my opinion, to less commitment oftentimes mm-hmm. to people, to working it out, to seeing it through, because you don't have to. You really don't. No, I think it's interesting about online dating because... I've talked about that, particularly with clients, that very issue is that there are so many people, I mean, theoretically that you could potentially go out with. And it's, I think it's not to be funny, but I think sometimes the way it's described, it's very similar almost to Netflix where it's like, well, yes, I could, you know, watch that or I could go out with that person. But what if the next person or what if that next movie is better and going through that process? I Definitely think that's an issue across the board, probably with a lot of the things that we experience because there's so much information. That's why I like that quote, because that's what it says. There's too much for us. And I don't believe we were created to have to sift and sort through that much information. I, I just don't think neurologically we can handle that very well. I don't think so either. And I think that's why probably some of the most successful people and organizations have developed systems to kind of work through this stuff and not have to make so many decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a system in place, you can reduce those options so that you don't have to sift through it all day long. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, this jumps ahead a touch, but I think potentially that gives us something to do with this, right? Which is if we're finding that we're in any part of our lives, we have a pattern where just taking in information, but we're really not committing to things very well, maybe there's a system or some way to approach that where it narrows that down. And ultimately, Mm -hmm. I think it is about probably, I don't know if it's discipline or not, but kind of developing some discipline if it is around, you know what, I'm going to pick this and I'm just going to go with it and I'm going to commit to it. And ultimately, if it doesn't work out, that's okay. At least I committed to it. Or at some point, if I need to change it to something else, I'll know that too, but probably only really if I really make that strong commitment, which is where we get back to burning the ships, right? But I don't want to do that, Mike. I, I want to be able to ditch it and run halfway through. That's what I'm looking for. You're welcome to keep doing that. And you'll continue to be the anxious wreck that you currently find yourself to be. I mean, you know, like that's how that's... Right. 
Yeah. And it's so good when people do it to you. I mean, so it's one thing when we're kind of doing this maybe to others or other things in our life, but we've all probably known the feeling too of feeling like someone else is kind of measuring us and saying, well, you know, there's a lot of options. Mm -hmm. Maybe I just as soon go somewhere else. I know even as a clinician, you know, you think about with all the information out there, people can come to you and kind of analyze every time, is this helping or are there other options, Mm -hmm. which in some ways is great, but in some ways it's difficult because you don't even get to work out those relational problems where sometimes people need to learn to say, I'm unhappy with you. And maybe they still do the same thing, but they don't have to because they can move on. Absolutely. Um, And I know I've experienced that both personally and just with clients is, is kind of that if we always have the out or the ships are always there, sometimes it prevents us from doing the hard work we need to do. That's a great point. I really think it is. And, you know, what I would add to that is I think as we do not do that and we commit and we work through those difficulties, honestly, we're not learning those relational skills and we're becoming less and less happy. We should say real quick that the research that's done around choices and all that, it does show that some choice is really a good thing, right? So sure. if you take this a little bit further on the other side, for those people who really have very, very limited choices, whether it's where they are in life or other struggles, that is difficult. And there is something negative about that. So we would say that. But I think what we're talking about is not that so much, but more maybe where many of us are in different ways is that there's just too much, right? And that's what you're talking about. Ultimately, I think it decreases happiness, but more importantly, I think it decreases contentedness and joy, which is the more important piece, right? It's so hard to be content if you're afraid of missing out on the next thing. Yep. And it's hard to savor it too. You know, it's really hard to savor it if there's all these other things. I mean, I think it's interesting. I know myself and, you know, some people I talk to and friends, we kind of yearn for this simple life. And why do Mm -hmm. we yearn for that? Well, it's really absent of a lot of choices. Sometimes people say, well, I wish I could live in the mountains and have, you know, grow my own food. But maybe they don't say it, but I say that. And what's really attractive about that, there's not a lot of decisions that have to be made. I don't have to get up in the morning and decide where I'll eat that day or how I'll drive to it. It's just you show up and you have what you have and you can savor it. And so I think that's the thing too that we miss is savoring something when there's too many options. It's so true. I'm reading this novel currently and it's set in the 70s and they're referencing, you know, picking up the telephone and calling the other person and that type of thing. This was just last night and literally I thought, oh, there's something nice about the thought of that. Not that technology is so bad, but it almost just instinctively hit me that what you're talking about is true. And that's like the choices were so much different. There were so Mm -hmm. fewer in some ways. And there is a simplicity to that. I think we're actually wired to thrive in that kind of environment much, much more than what we currently find ourselves in with the level of choices that we have. And research is pretty clear on that. I know it's hard for us to talk about this, but If you look at the research around, for example, cell phone use and social media and the things that bombard us every day, it's not good. It's usually pretty conclusively that, hey, this is detrimental to your being. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about today. Necessarily specifically those things, those are the modes or kind of the way that information travels, but there's just too much of it, frankly. Absolutely. And, And I don't see it slowing down. No. And I know that for some people, it's allowed them to be wildly successful because there are so many options. And so it's kind of a 
I don't know, sometimes I feel like a catch-22 because it's great in the sense that there's room for everyone and there's yeah. room for all these different options, which, I mean, I think it's empowered some people to do things and make moves they wouldn't have made otherwise. And it's also limiting kind of in our contentment, like you talked about. Yeah. And I think like most things, it's probably on a spectrum, right? I mean, I get that we're two white middle-aged guys who are saying like, we're struggling with a lot of choices. There are certainly people in the world who would be on the other end of the mm-hmm. spectrum and say, I have no choices. I'd just love to have more. Right. So I think it becomes kind of a balanced thing. Would you agree? Yeah, I do agree. I think maybe for anyone of us listening or otherwise that knows, well, thankfully I have a lot of choices. I think that gets us to, well, but what do we do about that? Because if we agree that that's potentially not a positive thing, then I think we have to actively limit it. And when we make a choice, I think we then have to just really dive into that. It's what you were talking about earlier. Uh, you know, and so maybe the first step is we talked about this in the say no episode, but you know, what do I say no to? Right. So right away, I'm limiting mm-hmm. probably the number of choices that I'm going to have to make because I'm controlling the flow of that at the outset, which I think is really important. Yep. But then with those things that I let go through that filter, the next part of the theme of today is, well, but how do we really commit to those and stay with it, knowing that, well, eh, this has kind of hit some snags. Maybe I'll jump to something else. And I don't think that's beneficial because I don't think we really probably give enough time to really know if that's the right thing to do because we haven't committed enough to it. And digging a little deeper, and I think making it a little more personal, if I could, for you and I, I mean, I think in our careers, we've both done that. I know, I know yeah. I've certainly done that, you know, tried one thing and not necessarily stuck with it very long and said, well, gee, you know, this could be tough. So I'm going to move on to the next thing. Yeah. Meanwhile, I've seen people who have started the same thing even later than I did have far more success by just sticking with it. Yes. While I've got 20 different things that I've tried and all of them invested a bit in and they haven't necessarily had the success. Yeah. And so I hope you don't mind me throwing you in that, but I feel like no, for me, at least I've definitely done that. And so I think some of us, yeah. if we're not careful, we kind of adopt this sort of lifestyle where we are always investing in a new option without committing long enough to really rule it in or out. Man, I was going to tell you I was quitting the podcast today, but now hearing you say that. I'm trying to talk you out of it. I know that. That's so why I'm trying to get you out of it. I'm thinking maybe I'll <laughs> stay with it, at least for another week anyway. So, yeah. Okay. Well, it I'm, becomes a lost art, though, to stick with things. It does. I mean, it really does because yeah. you don't have to. And there's some yeah. beauty in the fact you don't have to because certainly in the past, some people have stuck with things that they really shouldn't have or that were really terrible. Right. But the crux of that is that then, you know, if we're not careful, we don't really ever stick with anything. That's right. I think that is the key, maybe, and one of the key takeaways, which is I know it's tricky to decide what to really stick with and see through and maybe what legitimately, like you're talking about, it may be right to make a change. But frankly, more often than not, we probably should be sticking with and really seeing through. And so much so that maybe at some point it's super clear that, okay, it is time to let this go. But I don't think we're doing that nearly enough, not in today's world, because it's just so, so easy to jump to the next thing. I'm maybe getting a little off the path here, but do you suspect this has something to do then with people being terrified of failure and and never really leaning into an experience that might result in failure because they can jump before that happens or they can jump on that ship? Yeah, no, I really appreciate you saying that. I I think that 
we're therapists, so we're going to take this deeper look at this. And that's one of those deeper components, right? If I can mm-hmm. cut and run from this thing before I know for a fact I've failed at it, why would I not do that, right? Said kind of tongue in cheek, like, of course, because that prevents me from those other messages that probably get activated. If I really commit 100% of this, go all in, and then it fails. I talk with yep. clients about that all the time. And it, applies to us too. I mean, we all want to avoid the sides of that cliff. The other cliff, which is where I jump out midway through, I still take a drop, but it's just not as far down and it's easier to rebound from. So yeah, I think that's a really good point about failure. Not only that, I really do think the fear of missing out and well, what if something is better like that perpetual desire for happiness, it I think that's underneath this too. Well, maybe the next thing will be the thing that makes me feel fulfilled and happy. And I think we naturally tend towards that, but we're not supposed to. No, I think it creates a longing in us then that can't really be met. Yes. And then you go striving to meet that. And that's word striving, I think is really important here because I don't know about you, but when I'm doing what we're talking about with various things, my internal world, it does, it feels very unsettled, not peaceful. It's a striving. It's like, okay, well, what about mm. the next thing? And the next thing is it's not centered and peaceful. No. Okay. So we have a lot of options. We need to work on commitment. We need to work on limiting those options. What would maybe be like a practical thing that you would suggest for people who are maybe saying like, yep, yeah, I'm in agreement with you guys. That makes sense. But how do I do this in my life? What would you tell somebody about that? Yeah. So what I tell somebody and you know, what I'm telling myself is I think If you want to spend time on something, spend time on the front end, figure out as best you can what might be the right thing to commit to, and then just have a defined period of time for that and then dive into that thing. Whether that's as simple as what movie to watch on a Friday night or it's more complex like what work project or really important things like how should I do school for my kids? I mean, all the various options that we have now. And like, I think spend a little time, make that decision. But then truly, once that decision is made, really, really commit to that thing. And I think this is where community is important. You know, tell other people, listen, I'm going for this. And my version of Burn the Ships is honestly telling you, and maybe you can just kind of support me in that. I don't want to walk this back until I see it all the way through, or at least I go long enough where I know, okay, that I need to do something different. That's what I would say. What about you? Yeah, I love that time piece. I think it's really two kind of key things. And I think the time piece is one of them. I think the second thing is, I was telling you before we started, I was looking for a shirt. So I went on Nordstrom's and I looked for men's shirts and I think there's 1,100 of them. <laughs> and so the way that I work through that is they have filters. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's what they have. So they have filters. I can filter by size, by color, by fabric, by money, et cetera. I think we use filters. So we have yeah. the time component and then we filter out what we know we don't want. Yeah, Because there are things that we are clear about. We might not be clear about everything, but if we filter it, then we maybe reduce our options to something that's a little more palatable than having a thousand decisions to make. Yes, I agree with that. I think that's a really good analogy. Honestly, in today's world, we have to develop a way to filter because if we don't, it's just too overwhelming and paralysis comes with the level of information that's thrown at us. It just does. I think we're wired to shut down in the face of that. So I love the filter idea because I think have to have that system or that way to cut those choices down and then do the commitment piece. Yep. 
And I filtered, and so now there's only 700. And yeah. so, like, in seven hours, I think right. I should have a good idea. No, in seven hours, you say, well, maybe it's not Nordstrom. Maybe I should look at someplace else. Yeah. Well, there's 10,000 other places. So sure. I'll see you. Yeah, I'll see you Sunday. We'll figure this out. <laughs> you still won't have a shirt. No, no. And it's funny, but it's true, right? What's true about that is then you'll just keep wearing the shirts you have, and then it'll be fine. Like, you, you didn't yeah. really need the new shirt. So you know what? I'm actually just, it's just easier just to keep wearing the same shirt. It's all right. Isn't it funny how we do that? I don't know about you, but like, you know, if we stick to the clothing thing, I mean, I have a closet full of clothes. I tend to wear the same thing over and over again because it's just what I like and I don't have to choose. It just makes it easy. And so I think to your point, just to kind of sum it all up, we are maybe wired more for simplicity than complexity sometimes. We are. And, and that's maybe just not the world we always live in. And, and there's some benefit to that, but there's also yeah. restrictions as a result. I agree. And so I think the key is just identifying when we need to limit those options. Yeah. And that probably, and this is the hard part, we mostly need to do that most of the time. Yeah. That's a difficult thing because it's just hard to leave things on the table, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. Leave whatever it is on the table. It's difficult. I think we kind of naturally want to then go and grab that thing up. Like, well, wait a minute, though. What if that's the thing? But that's what we're talking about is leaving it on the table. Yeah. And I think with with that commitment, some things are non-negotiable. And so we have to reserve a couple spaces for non-negotiable things where there Mm -hmm. there just really aren't a lot of options, you know, and and I don't know, maybe non-negotiable is too strong. But I guess my point in that is I'm not going to jump unless, you know, X, Y, Z happens, because I think sometimes in relationships, if we're not careful, we maybe leave the ships and then that gets Mm -hmm. us in trouble. Yeah, that's a really good point. I agree with that. I think if you do whatever version of burning the ship, whatever it is, I think it just goes better. Mm-hmm. This that commitment piece, it raises, I think, our overall satisfaction with what we are doing. And we are able then to give that thing our all, which is what we really should be doing, right? We should be good mm-hmm. stewards of the gifts and skills and abilities we're given, including our minds. Yeah, this is wonderful stuff. I appreciate you, Mike, in this conversation. I and mean, I think we really covered some good ground today. So hope everyone enjoyed the episode and we will talk next time. We hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. Mike and I would also like to ask that if you've been enjoying the podcast, could you share it with a friend? We've loved getting all the feedback and comments thus far. Thanks.